0: Folks, you don't have to share everything. You need to share what God wants you to share. We need to be wise in what we do. We need to be wise in what we say because we do have enemies that oppose the work of Christ. They oppose Christ building his church through us and they will try to discourage us that we'll be sidelined. Christ will build his church, but he may not build it with us if we're discouraged and sidelined.
1: Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina.
0: And Dave, today it's letter day, and I have an email from Gwendolyn. She says, thanks all the staff who rightly divide the Word of God. God bless. Well, Gwendolyn, you are so welcome, and we are so thankful for the privilege to share God's Word. So thank you for your encouragement.
1: And Greg, today we complete our look at Nehemiah chapter 2.
0: Yes, we do, Dave. So let's get right to it and turn in our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2. and We're looking at verses 9 through 20.
1: Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address, again, is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message.
0: Notice he says, I did not tell anyone what God was putting on my mind to do for Jerusalem. Nehemiah is tight-lipped. He has not shared specifically what God has put on his heart to do for Jerusalem. He told no one. And he goes on this secret tour at night of the walls. He goes on a secret tour. Verse 12, "And I rose at night and a few men, I did not tell anyone what God was putting on my mind to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out by night by the valley gate. It's secretive, being secretive, a valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and on to the refuse gate inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were consumed by fire. So Nehemiah exits the city proper of Jerusalem through the valley gate, and he comes down on the west side and is traveling south inspecting the walls in the direction of the dragon's well. And the dung gate or refuge gate on the bottom of the city was inspecting the walls, which were broken down and consumed by fire. And he is on an inspection tour, but it's secret. Verse 14, then I passed on to the fountain gate, the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. So he had gone down south and east, and now he's going to go northbound around the walls. And there's much rubble. The donkey can't get through. There's much rubble from the walls. And so he goes on foot and he inspects the wall. And then he entered to the valley gate again and returned. Verse 13. So I went up by night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate again and returned. Now, there's a couple of things here that are really important. First of all, Nehemiah is surveying for himself what needs to be done. You need to know what needs to be done in the context of ministry, what God is doing. And now you have to survey, obviously, through the word of God in light of the body of Christ and apply that across the body of Christ to see what needs to be done. So he's inspecting. He's inspecting. Nehemiah is doing his due diligence before he goes to the people. He's going to see what needs to be done personally. He's going to have a personal understanding of it before he comes and talks to the people. And notice there's another thing that is so important, and I mentioned this earlier, but Nehemiah did not tell anyone what the Lord was putting on his heart. And I arose at night, I and a few men with me, and I did not tell anyone, that's verse 12, what the Lord was putting in my mind to do for Jerusalem. And then look at verse 16. This is the result. And the officials, that's the officials like Sanballat, Tobias, all those guys, those rulers, that's the bad guys, did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor, and this is secondary, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, and then these are the Jewish officials, and the rest of those who did the work. So first of all, he didn't let the bad guys know, about Tobias, and those others. He didn't want his enemies to know what he's doing. But he also had not yet told the people who would do the work what he is doing. Now, why wouldn't he have done that? Why wouldn't he, when he first got there, said, let's gather around. I'm here. This is why I'm here to help you. Want to talk to you about this? Why didn't he do it? I understand him not telling the unbelieving enemies what the Lord is putting on his heart, not letting them know. I understand that. But why would he not tell the people? Well, here, Nehemiah was exhibiting great wisdom leaders can learn from, and we can learn from, by the way. You see, sometimes it's not wise to share everything with everybody, even with those who eventually you will share it with. Because he says, as not yet. He was planning on doing so, okay? Because it would have, in this context, given the enemy an opportunity to thwart the conversation that Nehemiah would have with the Jews to encourage them to join the work. And he is being wise not to do so. You see, if they had heard about this, and then they would have tried certainly to discourage the Jews to not agree to do the work, to not enter into it. They would have used their tactics, which we see throughout here, to stop them from even agreeing to start back on the work. And, folks, it is not sin not to share things at times. The Lord doesn't tell us everything. He's not being deceptive or sinful. God is righteous. Nehemiah trusted the Lord, and he was being wise. He was careful not to tip off the enemies. We know loose lips sink ships. You know that from the military context, right? He was careful. And there are believers who might talk, and he understood that, and he didn't tell them. Careful not to tell the enemies and also the people. And folks, I personally understand this very well. As the Lord began to lay on my heart coming here to do this work here in South Carolina, I felt the Lord wanted to keep it quiet because we had so many enemies who were trying to discourage so many people. I understood that. And I knew that before people had made a commitment to come here that people could get in and mess that up. And therefore, I wanted to keep it tight-lipped. And that's one of the reasons I did so. You might remember me saying, hey, don't let it out of these people. Don't share it, right? And we even had people here who didn't share. People were probing. They were believers, not the bad guys, but had association with the bad guys. And they were probing people who were moved here. Why are you going? Where are you going? Where are you at? They wanted to know the information. And they didn't tell them, and they treated them as if they were sinning. And that's not true because they were being wise. They were following the instruction that I believe the Lord wanted us to have here so that people would not be discouraged. It's wise not to share with everybody at times, but there will be a time when we share. And that's part of what's behind what I was doing here in this church, in not relaying it and letting it out till a certain point where God had really laid forth clearly on enough hearts of who he desired to bring here that then the interference wouldn't be an issue when it became public. Because we expect it. We expect it. I expect the opposition from these people. I expect that opposition, although I don't want it. So then Nehemiah was godly. Nehemiah was wise. He didn't share everything. And folks, you don't have to share everything. You need to share what God wants you to share. We need to be wise in what we do. We need to be wise in what we say because we do have enemies that oppose the work of Christ. They oppose Christ building his church through us, and they will try to discourage us that will be sidelined. But Christ will build his church, but he may not build it with us if we're discouraged and sidelines. He'll use someone else, okay? And I don't want that to be the case. I want us to be willing and participating brothers and sisters who serve the Lord wholeheartedly. So then, these Jews were demoralized. They were discouraged. Nehemiah is very wise not to let the enemies get to him through letting it leak out. And so then, very clearly, he doesn't want to tip them off. So how are God's leaders to motivate God's willing and I keep saying that, willing yet discouraged servants to be about the difficult or overwhelming tasks. Well, first of all, the leaders need to be trusting the Lord themselves and stepping out in faith. Then we need to expect opposition. And third, we need to analyze the specific work needed in light of opposition that's expected and wisely go forth. And then we come to the point where we encourage the Lord's people to join in the good work. Indeed, at the right time, Nehemiah reiterates to Jerusalem the bad situation. He invites the Jews to rebuild, testifies of God's favor through the king, and they agree and begin the good work. Look at verse 17. Then I said to them, well, who's the them? Well, in context, it's not the foreign leaders or officials. It's the end of 16, the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work. That's who it is. Then I said to them, So Nehemiah waits three days not telling anyone, doesn't tell anyone what's put on his heart, and after privately, secretly inspecting the wall, what does he do? He comes and he talks to the people that he wants to encourage to be about God's work. You see the bad situation we are in. That Jerusalem is desolate and its gates are burned by fire. Look, brothers and sisters, it's a bad scene. You see it? Jerusalem is desolate you could literally say it's a waste place and its gates are burned with fire. And folks, notice Nehemiah wisely because it's in his heart because he's a true believer and he's a servant of the Lord. He identifies himself with them. You see the bad situation we are in. It's not you guys. Uh, I'm coming here to give you some advice. I'm going to give you some counsel and that, you know, you're in a bad situation. I can help you on that. No, it's not. You see the bad situation that we are in. We, those who serve the Lord. And so he says here, you see it. And believe me, godly leaders are not separate from the people. They are among the people serving with them. And Nehemiah identifies with them, and he shares what's going on. So then, it's a bad scene. Notice what Nehemiah says. He invites the Jews who originally came to do this task. That's why they left their cushy lives in Persia 13 years earlier. He says, middle of verse 17, come Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Pretty simple invitation. Let us rebuild the wall together. Let's do this. And notice he gives the reason that we may no longer be a reproach. He gives a biblical reason. You see, the Jews were being reproached because their city was in shambles. It was the glorious city of the Lord who had identified his name with it. And it was in shambles, in ruins, as the gates burned down. And they, as his people, were being reproached. You could probably hear the mockery. What kind of God do you have whose city is in rubble? Look at the gates burned down. Great God you have. Nice city, Jews. You know, you could hear their mocking, right? So Nehemiah invites them to work with him. Let's do it. Let's do it together. It's an overwhelming task. But we as leaders need to reiterate the reasons why we're doing it biblically, that we no longer will be a reproach. We'll no longer be a reproach. Let's build together. But notice Nehemiah doesn't stop here. After inviting the whole group there to work on this, he now shares his own testimony of how God helped him all the way. You see, leaders need to step out in faith. If the the Lord is in it and if he's there, there's going to be something to share. There's going to be something to share how the Lord has worked in your life to prepare the way for you to then share these things for everyone to work together. And verse 18, he says, and I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me. And also about the king's words, which he had spoken to me. I love this because he doesn't say, I told them how the king gave us all this stuff. No, the hand of our God had been favorable. That is the key thing. God's favor had been upon us. His hand speaks of his working, his working, his protection, his might, right? How the hand of our God had been upon this. I told them. He told them what God had been doing, how God had been favorable, certainly through the king, certainly through how he got there. It was obvious. You could see the Persian army officials and the wheels that they had for him or the stuff that they had. God's hand was upon him. There was no doubt about that. And notice he says, I also told them, he says here, The words that the king had spoken to me. This is very important. He needed to encourage them that God was in it and God had opened the doors for them to step forward and do this. And so Nehemiah does so. And he desires to help them see that God's favor so that they will see that his favor will be on them as they're about his work. So then, obviously, he says the good hand of our God was on him. We see that. So he says, let us rebuild together. Let's do it. Let's do the task. Let's be about it. And they said, notice end of verse 18, then they said, let us arise and build. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Let's do it. Let us arise and build. Let's do this. And folks, this was no mere lip service because Nehemiah puts in in advance as he's writing this past the time that it's been done. He's sharing back and how it happened. He writes in that they did do it. Look at this. So they put their hands to the good work. They actually went about it. They actually did it. So then in light of the overwhelming task, Nehemiah reiterated the biblical need. He invited the body to work with them and he testified of God's favor upon the work so far. So then how are leaders to motivate God's willing yet discouraged servants to be about difficult and overwhelming tasks? First of all, they need to lead by trusting the Lord and stepping out in faith in the very same area themselves. Secondly, they need to expect opposition, yet trust the Lord. Third, they need to analyze the work wisely in light of that opposition, and wisely respond. Then at the right time, the right time, they need to encourage the Lord's people to join his good work, revealing how the Lord's favor has been shown and already working in their life, preparing the groundwork for the work that he's inviting them and the Lord to do. And yes, they began working. And as you begin working, we need to trust the Lord completely. Look here. We need to trust completely to accomplish the task through us. Now, Nehemiah is going to exhibit that trust. He's going to exhibit that trust in how he responds to the bad guys. He's going to exhibit that as a leader of the trust that he has in the Lord. Verse 19, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Gershom the Arab, a new guy introduced here, Gershom the Arab, he's a bad guy. Heard it. Heard what? Well, heard that they decided to rebuild the walls. They heard about it. The news got out. gets out pretty quick here in Judah. They heard it. He says here, they mocked us. Or literally, it means to mock or to ride. And they did it. Literally, they mocked unto us. It's really personal. Straight at them. They mocked unto us, and they did it intensely, and they despised us. You know, it's the same word used in Isaiah 53.3, in which our Lord was despised and forsaken. They despised them, mocking and despising. And then notice they begin the actual text. Verse 18, and said, what is this thing you are doing? Again, sounding official, right? As uh, under governors of Persia, right? What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Well, that's a pretty serious accusation. If you rebel against the king, you lose your head. You don't rebel against the king. And it's a pretty serious accusation, and they're going to be using this to twist it around to try and get Nehemiah to sin, to mess up, to be frightened, to stop working. They're going to use this threat over and over again. Are you rebelling against the king? And again, what would be the consequence? That would be death. But Nehemiah is not deterred by these false accusations. It doesn't scare him into ceasing and desisting. He doesn't go, well, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do this. Hmm, maybe we should rethink this. He doesn't say that at all. Notice his answer to them. And in this answer, we see faith in the context of what Nehemiah knows God wants him to do. And by the way, we don't have a thing that we can say for sure God wants us to do in terms of the physical. But we have what we know God wants us to do in the spiritual. He wants us to be part of the body of Christ building up the church that he would be glorified, the church would be built up, and that's his goal. And he's going to build his church, with us or without us. We can know for sure that this is his will, just like Nehemiah knew that this was his will back then. And so then, he says here, and I answered and said to them, very few answers later on, except for reproofs, as we're going to say, the God of heaven will give us success. Isn't that great? Hey, that's understanding, like for us in terms of the church, Christ is going to build his church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail. That's the answer. He's going to build his church. But here the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Therefore, we're going to do it. We're not going to stop. We're going to do what God is calling us to do. You see, when Satan comes at us, we need to resist him firm in the faith. We need to trust the Lord. God is going to give us success, so we're going to do his work. We're not going to fear. And notice what he says here. It also shows his faith. Nehemiah makes it clear to those who would listen, especially us as we hear right now, that these people are those who oppose the Lord. They are not good guys. They are not part of the group of Jews there. That's what he says. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. It's a pretty strong statement. You may portray yourselves as those Tobiah, Yah, you know, as my God. You may betray yourselves. You may get your house in the temple. You may smooth up with the religious people, but you have no part of this. You have no portion or part in this work. You have no right or just reason to be doing this or no memorial because you're not his people. You see? Nehemiah exhibits great faith by declaring it is God who will give them success, therefore we will build. And he exhibits great leadership, protecting the people by identifying the enemies clearly. You have no part, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. You're not part of this because you're not God's people. You're actually opposed. So brother and sister, he exhibited great qualities in the Lord because he trusted the Lord. I don't think Nehemiah went to a leadership seminar for Christians or whatever it might be. He trusted the Lord. He trusted him. Exhibited great faith in the Lord. So then, how are God's leaders to motivate God's willing yet possibly discouraged, possibly stuck servants who are about to entertain an overwhelming task? How to do, do it? First of all, the leader needs to step out in faith in that very area and trust the Lord and let God's hand be upon him. Secondly, there needs to be and understanding that there will be opposition. You need to trust the Lord in that. Third, you need to wisely analyze what needs to be done in light of that opposition. And fourth, you need to encourage the Lord's people to join the good work, revealing how the Lord has shown favor upon your life in the preparation of the groundwork for the work. And then you need to begin working. And lastly, as you're working, trust the Lord completely. To accomplish his will through you and his people, and clearly identify your enemies for all to see. So then, we have a great example of leadership here in the Old Testament. These are instruction for those in whom the end of the ages have come. Now, again, I mentioned God doesn't say, hey, you guys, I need you to rebuild these walls. But he does have very clear instruction in his word that we are to be part of the body of Christ, we're to serve him, we are in his building project, things are being built up upon the foundation of Christ that we would be a spiritual house that offers spiritual sacrifices. There is a project going on, and it is a spiritual project. So how does this apply to us? Well, boy, when I say this, I'm like, there's a lot of applications. I mean, it's just ringing true. If you know anything about this church, if you've been part of it, you know what's going on right now. There's a lot that applies. Folks, the Lord has been leading me to come to South Carolina to start a new church here, and I have seen his hand of faithfulness over and over and over again in everything. So many ways, and I've shared these things with you, not to make you feel bad if you're not coming, but to share how God's great hand is upon this work for whoever he brings in this work. And I've encouraged the body, every single one who is able to come here, that there are opportunities to serve the Lord here. I encourage everyone, and many have come to do so. Now, I understand there are some of you who cannot do so because of unbelieving spouses, medical condition, age, or whatever it might be. And I understand if the Lord is having you serve him there, then that's where you need to be. Understand it. But maybe there are some of you who are concerned. You're scared. You're intimidated. You don't want to change things. You don't want to rock the boat, whatever it is. Your life is fine where you are. Well, remember what I shared in the beginning of this message. If you're unwilling to do whatever the Lord wants you to do, this message is not for you. But if you have come to the point where you say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done, whatever you want me to do, I am open and willing, then this message is for you. Come and build and have that invitation. And if you can't and God has you there, be part of this ministry in Vancouver, building with us. Let's do it together. God is a gracious God who calls us to be involved in the body of Christ for his glory. And all of us need to be so, and we need to analyze why we are and why we're not. And then if we're willing, we need to allow God to use his people to motivate us to do what he wants us to do in the context of what he has said in his word. And what a great example we see in Nehemiah. What a great example. What a blessing.
1: If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstead. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close today's broadcast... What's the application for us?
0: Well, Dave, as we've seen in Nehemiah's example, the application is that the Lord uses his leaders to encourage the discouraged to serve, to serve the Lord together. And now maybe there's some of you whom the Lord is working on. You're scared, you're intimidated by the difficulties or or whatever it might be. You're fearful. But is the Lord putting it on your heart to serve him? Let's do that. Let's do that together. And I believe you'll see his good hand upon him
1: as we close today's broadcast it's our prayer that the word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely if you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast call us toll free at 1-800-596-9144 that's 800-596-9144 if you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email Our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church.